Welcome to Unlock Your Child's Full Potential podcast. I'm your host, Billy, here to support you in instilling valuable lessons in your kids, paving the way for their success and fulfillment in the future. Today's episode is all about why business is the perfect playground for teaching life skills to kids. My guest is Don Foster, an executive, angel investor, a seasoned guide in the world of business, and most importantly, a believer in the power of early business education. Why business? Don unveils its potential as a vehicle to instill crucial life skills in your kids. From negotiation to resilience, business ventures become a hands-on classroom for preparing them for the real world. Wondering if your little one has that entrepreneurial spark? John suggests trying various business ideas, from leasing vending machines to connecting with local farmers. The truth is, you can't predict if a kid is cut out for business until you give them a chance. And the best part is you don't have to be an entrepreneur yourself. There are online classes like Middle School MBA that can support you in this journey. Join us for a chat filled with real insights on turning business into a tool for shaping capable and confident young minds. Before we dive into the interview, I just want to take a moment and thank you for your support. It's what keeps me going strong, and I'm truly grateful for each and every one of you. I have a little favor to ask that can make a big difference. If you're enjoying the show and finding nuggets of wisdom that resonate with you, could you please take a moment to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify? It's super simple and it helps me reach even more parents out there. Your thoughts could be just inspiration another mama needs. Big thanks for being part of this community. And now, let's dive in. John, it's fantastic to have you on the show. I love how your career has evolved, especially your focus on teaching kids about business and entrepreneurship. Can you share a bit about your journey and what led you to guide young minds in this direction? Yeah, well, great. Thank you for having me. It's, it's uh, so nice to be with you. So my background is in engineering and, and business as far as school. And then I worked in industry and and ran businesses and and closed businesses and and uh, did uh, corporate strategy and all that sort of stuff. And along the way, I volunteered with an organization called Junior Achievement. What they do is is they teach kids business. Basically, they provide a curriculum and get volunteers to come to the classrooms and and teach it. And so as I was doing that. I basically developed my own, you know, I said, oh, it'd be nice to do this and add that. And before it was over, I had, I just had my own curriculum and I was teaching it in schools and everybody loved it. And one day I was walking to class and I said, why am I teaching 14 kids? I, I should teach 14,000. And so that's when I built it out online and, and, and then we were able to roll it out to teachers. So, so we just hand it off to uh, teachers anywhere in the world. We give them a new superpower and they're able to teach very high level business and economics to to very young kids. That's awesome. I didn't know kids learned that at school. I thought school preps them for employees, not business owners. So that's good to hear. Exactly right. You know, it's and, and it's funny, a lot of the organizations that are teaching business or entrepreneurship, their tagline is we make your kids workforce ready. We're not trying to make kids employees. We were trying to make them managers and bosses and, and managers of their own lives, you know, because 
really economics is about the way people behave, the way they interact with one another, and how they get the things they need in life. You know, we say business skills or life skills. It's it's the same thing. So for parents tuning in who are keen to foster an entrepreneurial spirit in their school-age children, what are some practical tools and activities that you can recommend to help their kids dip their toes into the world of business? Well, there are ways to dip your toe, but if you want to really dive in, wasn't my idea originally. A, a guy told me about it. He said, just buy a vending machine. Buy a vending machine and put it somewhere, and now you have a business. You're you're stocking it. You're pricing the products. You're deciding what products to put in it. You you know, how can I please my customers? Where do I get the most traffic? What's the cost of my products? And so you can take that, like maybe you have vending machines in your school. You can step into any degree you want. Let's let's say there's a vending machine there that some company has has placed. Well, you go to them and say, we want to lease your machine. We'll pay you for the machine. Now you didn't have to buy it. You're leasing the machine. You're using it. You know, you're not having to deal with the maintenance, et cetera. And you can do it as we collect the money and we give part of it to them and we restock it. Or you can go as deep as you want into that. You know, you can analyze what things should be in our machine and, and how should we advertise it to our customers and build the PL from what you're making and then maybe think about buying another machine and going to parents and, and saying, look, we need some investors in our machine and here's our pitch. This is how much money our machine makes. Once we get this machine up and running with your money, we're going to sell this machine to another group of parents of kids that are coming up behind us, and we're going to return your money to you. I mean, you can take it as deeply as you want. It's better than a lemonade stand. It's <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and the beauty of it is it's an instant business, an instant real business, where one of the difficulties in an entrepreneurship program is that it's hard to generate a genuine interaction with the customer where they're freely giving up their money for something they want more, you know, than what it costs. That's one of the real essences of, of doing business. And it's difficult to simulate in a short time frame in a classroom or whatever. But this buy a vending machine idea, I think is, is beautiful. I love the idea. There are also other opportunities. Like if you have a school every afternoon, I, I don't know about in, in Europe, in the U.S., people bring their kids to school. And so every afternoon, there's a line of cars waiting to pick up kids. That's a bunch of potential customers with nothing to do. And maybe there's a local farmer who sells eggs who would love to have access to your carpool line. You could be the, the middleman there, collect the eggs, and again, go as deep as you want. You could just sell them for cash as a car drives up. Or you could be more sophisticated. And, and so you have to order your eggs so that we know how many we're going to have and how many we're going to get from the farmer. We're going to control our inventory so that they don't go bad. You know, the eggs break. You have you have all the problems that a real business has. And you have to learn, you know, how to, how to cope. So you might do that with eggs. You might do that with any local produce. There are many, many opportunities there. I love those. I love those. And they sound like modern day opportunities because I think the time of the lemonade state is over, or at least where I live, it was never part of our culture. So with my daughter, this summer, she was selling handmade birthday cards. 
she went out to the street and started asking people if they want to buy her cards. But this is a very small venture. It's a one-time thing. So your ideas are much more complex and showcase a bigger picture of business. So I love those. And do you think that uh, we have to wait for our kids to come up with ideas or we feed them those and see if it clicks? Yeah, you know, I think like with everything, you, you're the leader of your child. You're, you're bringing them up in this world. And so you should present them with these opportunities. I love the idea of, the, of starting with the card. That's totally great. There's a lot of elements there. They can mow yards. They can, can go dog sit, walk dogs. There's many, many opportunities for kids to have small jobs, which are micro businesses, kind of. In the case of the vending machine, you've turned it into an ongoing activity, right? Where you're stocking it, the products are moving in, they're moving out. You're, you're continually generating cash. Maybe you have to open a bank account to deal with it. Maybe, you know, your customers want to pay with a credit card. So you need a Stripe account online. So I think just start small, try things and, you know, build into it. And with the vending machine, we have to be closely involved because they will not be able to do a lot of those things alone. Correct. And, and it, it needs probably daily attention. So, so don't put it too far away. Yeah. What about if they lose interest? How do we handle that? I think every case is different. I mean, some parents do things like they, they sit down in advance and say, let's discuss what we're going to do here. Let's make a contract. The duration is going to be X amount, like it or not. At, you know, when you get to the end of this contract, we can renew it or not renew it. But, you know, we're not going to run off and, and buy this vending machine and go to all this trouble if you're going to bail in two weeks. And, and that's another good business lesson, right? If you can't just be flippant and, and jump in and out. It takes dedication. It, you know, we talk about time preference. And, and this is super interesting, you know, psychologically. You're probably familiar with the time preference studies where they would go to a child and say, okay, here's a candy bar. You can eat this right now if you want. But if you wait two hours, we'll give you a second candy bar and you'll have two. And so they just let these kids do as they wished. And then they follow them for a long time, many decades. And the kids that waited for the second candy bar, they just did way better in life. Their health outcomes, their financial outcomes, everything was better because of this delayed gratification notion or this time preference. And that's built into every economic principle, every business thing. This is one of these overarching principles that you think about the future, you say, I'm going to make my life a little more uncomfortable today so that my future is better. The element of time is one of the things that really trips people up when they're trying to understand economics, because they want to think of it as things happening instantaneously. But when you realize that the investment happens now and the return happens sometime in the future, maybe, you know, so you've got you've got time and you've got uncertainty. Those are hard concepts for people to wrap their heads around. They're not obvious. If somebody points them out to you and, and walks you through it, then you can go, oh, I get that. But if they don't, it's it's just not particularly obvious. So do you think we have to let kids uh, experience it for themselves? For sure. You might want to spell out the ground rules very clearly so that you don't end up with be a short-term disaster. 
And don't you do that when when the kid says, oh, I want to take tennis lessons? You say, well, okay, but you're going to have to take all these lessons. I'm not going to sign you up and have you take two lessons and quit, right? You have to finish this set of lessons. I would say, you know your child best and you set it up so that whether they lose interest or not, well, sorry, you know, this is, you've got an obligation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just wondering where we draw the line between guiding them and taking over control. Because we want them to see what happens if they make a bad decision. But we want to help them also feel successful, wanting to do it again, not be like, okay, I'm not cut out for that. That's tough to say. And I totally know that feeling. I I experienced it with my three kids in a big way. I would say with, you know, without uh, trying to, to start a lot of trouble, but I think most of us err on the side of being too lenient. We're too worried to damage their feelings or, you know, damage our relationship or whatever. And I think that's, that's probably an unfounded fear. If you look at kids, you know, that have already grown up and, and look back at their life and how their parents dealt with them and how our parents dealt with us, you don't break these relationships easily. You know, there is a limit. You know, there are tiger moms that just overdo it. I've said many times, if you get to pick your parents, don't pick Indian parents. <laughs> They're on your butt every second, you know? And so you certainly can overdo it. But look at the people who overdo it and take them as an example and say, okay, I'm not going to go quite that far. But I am going to push. I am going to have standards. You know, and I'm going to have expectations for what's acceptable. Mm-hmm. And the lines around what's acceptable and what's not acceptable can be pretty broad. One of the things we used to do is say, Line is forbidding. You must tell the truth. No is a good answer. Yes is a good answer. But a lie is not a good answer. But within telling the truth, there's a really broad range of things you can do, right? Some things are out of your limits because it would entail lying or or the idea that I'll have to lie about this later if I get caught. But within those boundaries, good Lord, it's a very broad set of opportunities to play with. I think you can set limits as a parent. You know, and one of the limits can be, if you start something, you have to finish it. So before you start, let's talk about the duration of it and what's probably involved. And the fact that there's going to be things we don't know. We're going to stumble in and and have some problems and have to work through them. But by the end of the week or the end of the month or whatever period we set, we can reassess and take another stab at it. I agree. I love that. If you are a business owner yourself, I guess it will be much easier to lead your child, to guide them. But if you're not, how do parents have the confidence that they're doing the right thing when starting a venture like this? Well, there's a couple of interesting things to talk about there. One of the things that we've learned in teaching business and economics to kids is that for those whose parents have businesses, they come back, and even those who are just, maybe it's not a business, but it's a profession, you know, a job, they say that they suddenly have new tools to talk to their children, that their children understand what they do every day. And they can discuss their business. They can discuss their issues at work, the the problems with employees. Because think about it. When you were a child, you watched your parents go to work every day. You know, maybe you went to school, you went to daycare, they went to work, they came back in the afternoon, Everything in between was blank. You didn't really know what went on. When kids understand how the business world works and why people work and you're getting paid and 
and you're delivering value, all of a sudden they get it. And we, we've actually seen parents and children become closer because the children understand what the parents are doing and they appreciate it. They're like, oh, they're out there working for me. And so I would say that even if you have a business, okay, you don't have that big of an advantage over someone who doesn't. Someone who doesn't have a business, just start small. We have an exercise in middle school MBA where the kids make parts out of pipe cleaners, simple little parts. We give them a spec sheet. Here's, here's what the parts have to look like. Here's how long and here's the shape. And here's what they sell for. And this is how much your raw materials cost. So you buy the raw materials, the pipe cleaner, and then you use scissors or, or whatever to create the product. And then we buy the product at a given price, assuming it passes quality control, right? Assuming it's good enough. So you have all the elements there of doing a business and you can do that in a very artificial way with your kids, but all the elements are there. And, and once you've done that work, you can create a profit and loss sheet. There's a lot of games around that. So you can, you can gamify it that way, if you like, and then venture out into real world. Yeah, the trouble is that it's an ideal scenario where everything goes right. And there are some lessons that kids need to learn early on. You you say that fail sooner is a good yeah. approach. Yes, fail early and hopefully you, you failed smaller. That's one of the principles of not losing your shirt altogether. Things go wrong in life and you have to adjust to that and, and work out the issues. And those lessons are just amazing. What are some of the lessons you think it's important to teach our kids early on in regards to business and entrepreneurship? Again, I see these as life skills, but business is a beautiful place to teach them. For instance, there's the old saw that people want to do business with other people who they know, like, and trust, right? There's three things, know, like, and trust. What does that mean? It means you need to be knowable, you need to be open. You need to be likable and you need to be trustworthy. Man, those are big goals. We teach, you know, businesses have a customer relationship manager, a, a database where you keep your customers and everything you know about them and your, their contact information. We build those with kids and we have them make business cards and go around and introduce themselves to one another in a professional way. So they're, they're learning to meet and greet other people. I was a very, very introverted kid crazy introverted. And so I think about these kids a lot. Many kids, particularly ones like that, think that it's a big deal to go introduce yourself to somebody. But what you can discover is those people want to meet you too. And so when you break this barrier of, oh, you know, it's really a scary thing to do, then all of a sudden you open up a real world for them. That's another lesson that there's a way to interact with people and even there, there are people who are going to uh, shun you, right? It's, it's not going to work every time. And you go, well, that, that's not me. That's them. Fine. I don't have to have them. There's a dozen other people who are super nice and would like to be my friends. I mean, these are lifelong lessons. Yeah. Um, dealing with rejection is one of the important ones. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. In fact, we, we do a lot of negotiating lessons. And again, these same life skills are there. Like, we're, you and I are going to sit down and negotiate over something. I have something I want. You have something you want. We're going to try to reach a deal that we both like. And many times we won't. And that's fine. Okay. Doesn't always work. If it does work, we want to get there without me making you hate me. 
right? Because what we might be negotiating is a deal that's, that's going to go 10 years. Okay, you negotiated the deal. Now you have to execute it. And that's going to go on for 10 years. You better not make that person your enemy on day one. Good point. Um, right? So again, they're they're learning to deal with other people, to think about the future, and the meet and greet thing. That's just the beginning of the relationship, right? You have this relationship. You start it. You meet someone. Then you perform. You're, you're trustworthy. You're likable. And then you keep going and, and you build. And each success you have, like... We negotiate and I end up in a different place because now I have a, a deal with you that's better than the deal I had before. And now that deal is my next best option for the next negotiation I want to make. So you're building step by step by step or looking in the rearview mirror. What we say is when you go into a negotiation, I don't care if the guy across the way is your principal or it's Bill Gates. I don't care who it is. Nobody can push you worse than your next best option, right? Your next best option is what is your fallback position. If there's no deal, that's what you have, your next best option. And so whatever your next best option is, that's your protection. That's what keeps you from having to take a, a worse deal. And who's in charge of your next best option? It's you. It's how much did you work before the negotiation to build this, this option that you have? So the whole thing, it's it's one life lesson after the other. Yeah, important life lessons. So it's good even for kids who are not naturally inclined to start a business venture to gently encourage them to try just to learn those lessons, right? You know, that's a great question. And you can't really tell in advance until you sort of test the waters. We're often very surprised that this very frou-frou, artsy-fartsy, eighth-grade girl suddenly becomes a business shark. She's just totally into it, and nobody saw it coming. Or in another case, uh, a teacher told me about this little boy who was so shy that if you spoke to him, he would cry. But when they did middle school MBA, he was into it. He was raising his hand. He was correcting the other kids. She said, this was just a different child. I had no idea that kid was in there. So I think you have to try. You can't just tell by inspection what a kid's going to respond to. That's true. What if they try and they're crushed by a failure? Are there some strategies to pick them up, like mindset shifts that you've seen working for those kids? I've actually got a lot of failures, a lot of crushing code of failures. I had a principal one time who told me, uh, John, you're setting these kids up to fail instead of setting them up to succeed. And I said, I know. I want them to fail now. I want them to, to, to see that. But what we actually typically see happen is, you know, we're pushing them. We're tricking them. We don't coddle them, right? When the game I told you about of making parts, if you make the wrong parts, you lose money. You know, if you're not smart enough to recognize, I'm going to lose money on this part, well, sorry. But they only make that mistake once. And then they're like, I got it. And once we've done this to them once or twice, they become wise to it. And they're like, okay, I know you're going to try to pull something on me, and I'm watching for it. What that does is that puts the kid on the edge of their seat. You might call it suspicious. You might call it alert. But that's a mind that's open and trying to learn. I'm looking. I want to know what's going on here. I'm, I'm looking for the details. I'm looking for, for what you've got hidden behind your back. 
and that's a great learning attitude. And and of course, they like it too. It's fun. It's a game that has important life implications, and they feel that. And so I've never seen anybody that was just crushed. We've seen in many classes, there'll be things that happen because these kids are interacting with one another, right? And they'll have these stories, you know, where, where Billy lost his butt to Sally Ann in this negotiation, and it was hilarious. And it, and it becomes classroom lore, you know? So even though obviously things will go wrong and things will happen, what we've always seen is it's been more in a very positive light of, you know, we made this big mistake and we learned from it. It's kind of funny now and that sort of. I'm intrigued. How can parents find middle school MBA if they're not in the school that you're currently having classes? So tell us more about the online version. You can just go to middleschoolmba.com and everything is there. If you're a homeschooler, you you can just buy it directly on the site. We have like a 20-minute a onboarding video for the teacher, and then they have lesson plans and all the stuff. Typically, they just take it and go. They're good. But if you need help, we'll, we'll give you a hand. You can contact us and, and we'll, we'll help you with whatever you need. If you're not a teacher, you're a parent, you can do it, right? Absolutely. None of our teachers have any business or economics background. None of them. Love That's... it. And what about the age of the children? How old should they be to be able we to start? say typically 11 to 17, but there are plenty of people who, who do it 10 or possibly 9. At, we had a summer camp this past summer in Dallas where a, a parent wrote the principal and said, I am so happy to see my third grader learning things I didn't learn in, until I was in my own MBA program, you know, when I was 30 years old. Amazing. And how long is, is it a course, like a month or how does it work? It's a series of lessons and you go as fast or as slow as you want. In fact, that's one of the critical functions of the teacher is to, to pace it, you know, to their particular kids. With online learning, Typically, what happens is you're going directly to the student, and you have no idea who that student is. And so as the curriculum developer, you have to aim for the lowest common denominator. You, you don't know who that student is. And when you do that, then any kid that's partway bright is bored to death. It's, it's almost torture. So what we do is we come in super high from the get-go, and then we count on the teacher to know the kids, and to bring them up at the appropriate pace to that level. It's almost magic. One of my biggest concerns when we started was, can I put this in the hands of some teacher that, that's not steeped in all this stuff and have them succeed? And as it turns out, they're better than I am because they're real teachers. And so once they understand it and they know every kid, they know how to push their buttons, and they're better than I am. I, I sit in the back of a classroom and I'm just... Just so thrilled to, you know, to see it happen. I might propose it to our school. It sounds fantastic. Oh, for sure. It would be great. Thank you, John. Thank you for being here and sharing all those tips with us. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you for listening and letting me be a part of your day. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to stay tuned for more exciting episodes.